Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Some patterns in life can be dangerous, both to the person caught in the pattern and those they drag along with them. On August 27, 2007, a man in a dangerous pattern was arrested and a few of the women caught in his wake became collateral damage. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Paul DeVoe III, born August 31, 1963, grew up in Long Island and, according to his family, began heavily drinking when he was just barely a teenager, dropping out of school altogether in the ninth grade and dealing with an explosive temper that usually led to violence. Things only seemed to escalate from there, and when he was in his 20s, he fired a shotgun into a crowd of drinking teenagers, and on one occasion, wrapped a telephone cord around his own mother's neck, prompting her to take out a protective order against her son. So it should come as no surprise that Paul spent most of his life in and out of jail. And during those small windows where he was a free man, he spent his time seducing women and fathering four children. Women who he was one drunk rage away from assaulting and either getting sent back to jail or just getting kicked out of their house. By 2005, Paul was ready for a change of scenery and made his way down to Texas Hill Country. But instead of taking the move as an opportunity to get a fresh start and change his ways, Paul simply continued his pattern of meet, date, move in, drink, and abuse until the women kicked him out. One of these women was Sharon Wilson of Llano, Texas. Like all of his relationships, his with Sharon was meeting a similar fate when she agreed to let him stay with her in exchange for doing some construction work around the house. But this arrangement quickly came to an end when she came home one day to find Paul in possession of a gun, something she had strictly prohibited, and began to suspect that he was stealing money from her purse and emptying her recently filled gas tank. This was enough for Sharon, and on August 24, 2007, she demanded that Paul leave her home immediately. Even though this was far from the first time he had been kicked out of a woman's house, something about Sharon's demand sent him over the edge and Paul grabbed his gun, shot at her couch, walls, and floor 
jumped into her truck and sped off towards Marble Falls. Once there, he went straight to O'Neill's Sports Tavern, where he found one of his ex-girlfriends, Glenda Purcell. According to eyewitness testimony, Paul took his gun, put it to Glenda's head, and mercilessly pulled the trigger. Thankfully, the gun did not go off. But moments later and back in working order, Paul pulled the trigger a second time, aiming at 41-year-old bartender Michael Allred, who heroically tried to save the two women Paul was trying to target. With Michael lying dead on the bar floor, Paul got back into Sharon's truck and took off towards Jonestown. Once there and at another ex-girlfriend's house, Paul entered the home where he once lived and shot 26-year-old Paula Griffith, her new boyfriend or common-law husband, depending on the article, 48-year-old Jay Feltner, Paula's daughter, 15-year-old Haley Faulkner, and Haley's friend, 17-year-old Danielle Hensley. Their bodies were found by police the next day on August 26th after Danielle's father grew concerned that his daughter had not come home from her sleepover. Apparently finished with Texas after his two-day killing spree, Paul ditched Sharon's truck in favor of Paula's family station wagon and began the cross-country trip back to Long Island. Unlike most cases, police had no doubts it was Paul DeVoe that they were looking for. They simply had to find and arrest the dangerous man before he took any more lives. Thankfully, on August 27, 2007, police in central Islip, New York, 1,800 miles from where the rampage began, found and arrested Paul and brought him and his car into custody. But the car he was found driving wasn't the station wagon he stole from Paula's home. This car was one with a Pennsylvania license plate. And when ran, pulled up the address of 81-year-old Betty Jane DeHart, who, when police went to check on her, was found dead with one gunshot wound to the head. On September 21st, 2007, Paul DeVoe, under heavy security, was extradited back to Texas and booked into the Travis County Jail, where, to expedite the case, he was charged with just the murder of Paula Griffith. On June 10th, 2008, a judge ruled that the incriminating statements Paul had made while in jail awaiting his trial could be used against him. But in December of that same year, doctors declared him incompetent to stand trial and was instead sent to a high-security psychiatric hospital where he stayed for several weeks before his competency status was changed again. He was sent back to Travis County Jail and indicted on capital murder charges for the deaths of Paula, Haley, and Danielle. A jury took just 20 minutes to convict the cold, callous killer and, without showing an ounce of remorse, Paul listened in as they sentenced him to death on October 8th, 2009. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 28th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. <laughs>